We see a lot of momentum growing. We see businesses uh, basing their strategy on circular economy. We see government their own roadmaps. We see uh, institutions looking at circular economy as a solutions framework when it comes to COVID-19 recovery or the climate change agenda. And we've seen also the finance sector uh, really invest in circular economy funds recently. And that's that flurry of activity gave us the sense that there is a need for alignment. Welcome to the Circular Economy podcast by the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. That was the Foundation's Joss Blerio discussing the motivation to write the Universal Circular Economy Policy Goals paper, which provides a blueprint for cooperation across the private and public sectors to tackle climate change, pollution and biodiversity loss. My name is Seb and this is the Circular Economy Show podcast by the Ellen McCarr Foundation, where we develop and promote the idea of a circular economy and engage key actors to mobilise system solutions at scale. We recently caught up with several experts on the role of policy in scaling the circular economy and we'll be hearing this episode from many of them, including IKEA's Director of Regulatory Affairs, Roberta Desi, the World Bank's Director for Sustainable Development in Europe and Central Asia, Steve Schomberger, Arnold Passenier, the Senior Programme Manager in the Ministry of Infrastructure as part of the Netherlands government, and Miranda Schnitger and Joss as two of the authors of the paper at the Foundation. I'm joined by my co-host, Lara Franco-Hanau. Lara, what should our listeners expect to hear in this episode? Thank you, Seb. We will find out a bit more about these five goals and why this is fundamentally still about stimulating redesign from the outset. We will also hear about the importance of alignment, collaboration and a joined-up vision to scale the circular economy. And you'll hear a bit about the importance of this agenda, how it relates to climate resilience, economic recovery after the pandemic and job creation. That is an exciting lineup, Lara. So, we should probably find out a bit more about what these universal circular economy goals are all about. Yes, Seb. Let's go back to Josh to find out. So, what sort of policy measures are we talking about? Well, first of all, if we move upstream, of course, we need to look at stimulating design for a circular economy. It's about what we put on the market, both in terms of nature and product and, and volume, sorry. And of course, from that follows that notion that we need to manage those resources to preserve the value, really to, how do we keep them in circulation? How do we make sure that these valuable products, the invested energy or the materials can, can remain in the system? So using things rather than using them up, as Ellen says often. Then the third thing is really making the economics work for the circular economy, because as I said, at the moment, it really is throughput based and all that waste in the system, so that how we capture the, uh, the, the price signals that really say, okay, this is integrating the impact of the economic activity as well. How can we regenerate? How can we move forward with a system that is prosperous in the long run? Fourth goal is about innovation, uh, investment in innovation, infrastructure and skills. Of course, we need to have the right uh, systems in place, but also research because it is about innovation and competitiveness as an agenda. And finally, it's about collaborating for system change. So across value chains, but also bringing the public and the private sector together. So stimulate design for the circular economy, manage resources to preserve value, make the economics work, invest in innovation, infrastructure and skills, 
and of course collaborate for system change. We also spoke with Miranda, the foundation's government lead and co-author of the paper. This is what she said when we asked her which goals she would prioritize. So there isn't going to be a single policy measure that you can pick out and say that will do it. If you do that one, everything else will follow from it. Um, it depends on your starting point, as Arno was mentioning. It also depends. Some policy measures will be quite good at sort of reaching cross-sectoral. Um, and that's kind of how the report has been developed. But actually, once you get into the details, you'll also need to consider the different sectors. So, again, you do need to pay attention to the local conditions as you develop these things. That said, um, If I were to choose one goal that it would be really, really important to sort of understand, even if you were working on a different policy measure, is that first goal because it's the most upstream. So um, by looking at the design of products or the design of systems or how we how we operate our food and agricultural system, understanding that from that other things will then follow. So, for example, if you are developing an EPR scheme, Thinking at the same time about the changes that could happen in the way products are designed can then inform that EPR scheme to last in the long term and really support a circular system and not become an isolated measure in a in a system that ultimately is still linear. So it's quite it's a I love the question. I wish it was an easy one to answer, um, but it does it. It, it belies the fact that this is about a systemic change. And so actually understanding the whole, what um, Roberta was saying at the beginning, giving you the broader context, well, you focus on one bit is, is the most important thing, I would say. It would be an easy assumption to make when thinking policy to assume this is all about national policies or maybe national policies and some local government policies. But it's a far more complex picture than that. Right, Lara? Yes, Seb, you are right. Policy impacts a huge range of stakeholders, including the world of business, financial sector and international institutions. And in many ways, the circular economy presents an opportunity to create a united vision that places all these different stakeholders in a collaborative position, rather than policymakers simply legislating against business um, activity, for instance. So let's hear from one such stakeholder. Stephen Schomberger is Director of Sustainable Development for the World Bank in Europe and Central Asia. Here, he told us how his institution has observed a growing appetite for the circular economy as a solutions framework that can help to solve some of the most pressing global challenges. At the World Bank, we're primarily an economics-based institution, but we fully acknowledge that the science is clearly indicating that we are either approaching or, or bypassing planetary boundaries for key ecosystem services. And that just creates a compelling argument that, you know, basically the, the well-being of the planet and, and, and of the human race really depends on approaching what we do on this planet differently. Uh, the other aspect of that that's particularly germane for us as a development institution is that the incidence of environmental degradation clearly falls disproportionately on the poor and other vulnerable groups, both within countries and across countries. So this is a poverty issue in addition to being an existential environmental issue. Um, and of course, it, it, the circular economy from a more positive side is also uh, an innovation and business opportunity and imperative, as we, we're hearing from Joss and others, uh, but as the world moves to more and more towards a green economy. Uh, but, and that's being reinforced by things like carbon border taxes, Uh, consumer requirements, and, and as, as Joss made reference to, uh, it's, it's being reflected in the cost of finance, both for governments and, and for private uh, companies and individuals. So it all sort of comes together. 
uh, at that level. And then fundamentally, it's just good for countries themselves uh, because it reduces pollution locally and also hopefully uh, reduces the amount that uh, households need to spend on consumables. And therefore, they have more money left over to focus on things like education, health, and other human capital elements. So there's all kinds of great reasons from an existential survival of the species and the planet to the uh, you know, good business opportunities and, 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 and employment aspects, as well as you know, just at the household level. So we see it at all those levels as being really important. And for that reason, we're, we're seeing more and more circular economy work that we're engaged with obviously in, in Europe and Central Asia, where I focus, but also in, in South and East Asia and Latin America, and now increasingly even in, in the African continent. We also asked him, what role might a set of universal circular economy policy goals play in this? So, you know, the big question becomes, how do we make that shift? And, and, and Arnaud made reference to it. And we work very closely with ministers of finance on this. And, uh, you know, what we tend to do is we start by showing the economic and social implications of a shift to a circular economy. But then the next question they ask is, okay, I'm kind of convinced, what do I do? What are the things I need to do? And this publication is so helpful because it provides a nice comprehensive set of actions that can be discussed and reviewed with ministries of finance, with, with other parts of government, and then eventually with the broader set of stakeholders to say these are the things that need to happen in order to create an environment that encourages uh, innovation, that encourages changes in consumer behavior, and, and, and that can really lead towards something that is closer to a full circular economy and moves from what Joss highlighted, which is this traditional reliance on a linear approach to a completely different way of thinking of how we live our lives, produce value, and preserve the planet. So again, we're thrilled with this publication and really pleased to start using it in our work throughout the world. From the need to drive economic recovery to climate resilience, the circular economy provides value and the role that policy can play in scaling that transition is by creating a united vision and framework. What do you think businesses might have to say about this, Seb? Right, well, rather than me answering that question, Lara, let's hear from our next guest. IKEA are an absolutely massive company selling thousands and thousands of different products with stores and factories located all around the world. In fact, in over 41 countries. We'll hear from the company's Director of Regulatory Affairs, Roberta Desi, especially on the importance of alignment. But let's first find out a bit more about IKEA's approach to the circular economy. For us at IKEA, we have made already a big commitment that it's that we want to become a circular business by 2030. And, and the first step for us was try to identify which are the big strategic direction that will bring us there in, in 10 years' time. And we have identified that uh, it would be for us key to only produce 100% circular products by 2030, focus on the use of material, using reliable, sorry, renewable and recycled material in our products, enable our customer to acquire products in a way, pass on them and take care of them, and also taking a lead and join forces with others. Um, for us, these strategic goals and the strategic direction showed us from the beginning that moving to a circular economy as a business will require a big systemic shift in everything we do, the way we produce, the way we source our material, the way we will interact with our customer going forward. 
Um, so when I see the, the journey that we have had as a business, um, I see this very much also reflected in the work that Miranda and the team at the EMF Foundation has done, uh, because it really brings to the light the, the complexity uh, and the bigger picture you need to have on this topic. Um, so it will not be just about moving one single aspect and one single regulation in the policy world. It will be a systemic shift that we will need. And, and for this reason, I think this work will help us a lot um, seeing the, the, the various pieces of the puzzle uh, going forward and, and start then the discussion on how we can then translate them to act in action uh, together with, uh, with all the community and the stakeholders involved. So IKEA wants to become a circular business by 2030 and they're starting to develop a bit of an idea about how they're going to get there. We also asked Roberta, what is the key to getting this right? Yeah, I think in general, I would say that uh, the importance of alignment uh, cannot be stressed enough because at the end, I think it's what will make the circular economy successful, most of all if we're thinking at big scale. So um, when we are thinking about revising our regulatory framework, having misaligned approach across countries is something that we feel will be the one of the biggest risks um, which, of course, doesn't mean that we doesn't have to change the regulatory environment. Of course, we do. But we have to face you know, the question of how we're doing this. So we do have some concrete examples. And Miranda, for example, was mentioning IPRs, uh, Extended Producer Responsibility Schemes. That's for sure an area where we will need uh, more alignment in, in the way the system are built. Um, and, you know, we have waste definition. That is something that has to be looked at and revised. Um, and then on top of my mind, I think recently we were discussing a lot, uh, for example, um, when it comes to sorting instruction and information on packaging, uh, which may seem so very small and minor things, but it can have very big consequences. Uh, so if you think about having for example, a packaging approach that it's different country by country. Uh, this for us will mean, first of all, you know, a huge amount in costs and logistics, you know, to serve the markets in different ways. But it will actually mean for us that we will end up producing much more waste because we cannot really reply to changing the markets, change of the demand. So if one specific market needs more of that product and we don't have it ready, we cannot just take, you know, the same product that we have ready for another market, unpack it and repack it. Um, so these are very concrete implications that we see when, for example, we don't establish more global approach. Stephen from the World Bank certainly agreed with that sentiment and said that the third goal, making the economics work for everyone, is really key in this process. I have tremendous faith in the ability of consumers in the private sector to find smart solutions. There's so much innovation out there, but the economics have to work for, for everyone. Uh, consumers have to feel that it's worthwhile and that in, in addition to representing their values, that it's they're also getting value for money. Uh, companies have to see a bottom line opportunity because eventually that's going to, to, to matter to their survival. And, uh, and so it's really the policymakers have to understand the economics. And that really draws a little bit to the other one that I would say of the policy goals is that collaboration. Because the only way to really come up with a clear understanding of how the incentives are likely to play out in practice is to do it through you know, a tremendous consultation, engagement working together amongst government, 
private companies, uh, consumers, and and advocacy groups. So I really, I'd, I'd love to say it's just uh, goal three from my perspective, but I'd say it's, it's, I'll make it a little complicated and say it's goal three on the economics, but really done in the context of goal five on collaboration for system change. So, wow, Lara, we've got quite a way through this and we haven't actually heard from a government yet. We told you this was about a much broader group of stakeholders. Yes, Seb, but let's change that immediately by hearing from Arnaud Pesenier, who works as a strategic advisor on the circular economy in the Minister of Infrastructure in the Netherlands. He will tell us why it's important for policymakers to understand a business perspective and to create that common narrative to enable partnerships and collaboration. First of all, you need um, um, uh, to to strive for um, um, a a common narrative um, because a a voluntary uh, agreement is is not uh, easy to to achieve. You have to understand what industry needs, um, where the uh, barriers are, um, uh, what innovations are in place uh, to to help industry um, and the government to... um, um, to to invest invest in in those uh, solutions, uh, but we ne- need to understand that um, uh, for innovation you need a coll- collaborative approach, um, and of course sometimes uh, you need regulations. Uh, sometimes we have to be honest to say, well, we have to regulate this. Um, often we are asked by the uh, by the innovative uh, companies um, uh, to change our regulation in order to give the right uh, market incentives. Uh, and of course, there, there are uh, competitive um, uh, elements in it, but uh, to, um, um, to, to, to have a, a real competition between recyclers and, um, and virgin uh, producers of plastics, by example, you need to balance um, um, balance price, and um, uh, well, that you uh, are able with uh, um, doing some regulations, although that's not um, um, that uh, easy to uh, to achieve. But if you um, understand with each other what roads are ahead, then uh, then you can achieve a lot. And uh, we use our our uh, collaboration with uh, with industry. Um, in uh, the whole uh, the whole of Europe to um, to promote some solutions on the European level uh, uh, in the, in the regulation. So it's a uh, um, it's partnership of overall and um, clear understanding of each other's uh, position and uh, uh, and um, abilities to uh, to to change the system. Uh, but uh, in the end, uh, we uh, we have to do it uh, together. Stephen from the World Bank agreed that there are significant opportunities to create a win-win between driving economic activity, meeting climate objectives and delivering benefits to people in the form of jobs. He also highlighted the importance of these opportunities in light of the COVID-19 pandemic and the impacts on people and the economy. Um, the big challenge we see is that you know the, the, the social impacts have been just extraordinary from this, obviously the health impacts, but then beyond that, the impact on jobs and, and livelihoods. And again, very sadly and tragically, the, you know, it's been felt more by the poor and other vulnerable groups than, than others. And, and so we have to start there. The big challenge we see in integrating circular economy and, and climate, and I see circular economy as sort of a, a larger element of sustainability, and climate is one part of that, uh, is the, the concern about 
the short-term need to generate jobs quickly. And so probably the most important thing we can be doing and which we are working on is to demonstrate that while there are some areas where there are, frankly, trade-offs in the short term, not in the medium and long term, between job, you know, quick job generation and, and sustainability elements, including circular economy, there are very large areas and opportunities where it's a win-win. And so we're really focusing on ensuring that those win-win opportunities are identified and made clear to decision makers in countries. Uh, because the, the danger is, of course, that in addition, sometimes those quick win jobs can come at the expense of locking in unsustainable practices, leaving stranded assets and not you know, uncompetitive businesses going. So, so, you know, it's a tough trade-off, but I think that the key thing we have to all look at in the short run uh, is how, how does it, what does it mean for jobs? And, and that's something that certainly we've been discussing with our European colleagues who have done a lot of work on that even prior to COVID, but also uh, the US, China, uh, and other countries to see how can we set examples of win-win opportunities where circular economy jobs and the, the immediate needs of COVID recovery can all come together and, and set an example. And what about the pandemic? Is there any risk that it deprioritizes this agenda? Let's hear what Roberta from IKEA had to say about this. Uh, it hasn't changed our direction of travel. So for us, it's clear that the direction remains the same. We want to go forward with our climate positive commitment, with our circular commitments, and we want really even more eventually to deliver to those goals. Um, we believe that Circularity in particular can offer, you know, good possibility to meet our sustainability agenda and also the affordability agenda that for IKEA has always been important. IKEA is really was created with a vision to, to be for the many people, for those also within wallets from, from very day one. Uh, but now even more, we see this importance of being affordable in and in in a, in a sustainable way. Uh, so short term, circularity can for sure offer new opportunities when, for example, we aim at prolonging the life of products, offering more possibility to repair, to pass on, to buy second hand. All those things can surely help. Um, long term, I think we go back to the win-win situation, but also to the need of finding the right incentives also in the market, uh, because we do live in a very full optimized linear model today. And we are not yet ready 100% to be in a circular transition as of tomorrow. So we will need in this moment in between uh, to find the right way to make sure that businesses can survive and flourish uh, out of this transformation. So we've heard that this is all underpinned by stimulating design for a circular economy. This is fundamentally about a collaboration and a shared vision for all stakeholders and that it engages with some of the highest priorities of our time, including building back better in the context of the pandemic and climate change. Let's hear Miranda one more time where she talks a bit about how these policy goals can actually be used. All of these five goals, the design, the um resource management, the making the economics work, the investment and the collaboration, those will be applicable everywhere. So it's designed at a higher level so that it can also be used everywhere to support that quest for alignment. Um, and at the same time, has that flexibility of being allowed to be used appropriate to the starting point of each government that now seeks to work with it and the businesses that will be supporting that. That's all for this podcast. If you want to read the paper, please visit the Ellen MacArthur Foundation's website and you can also find the link in the bio of this episode. And please do subscribe to our podcast and like, rate and share all those good things. 
We'll see you next time on the Circular Economy Show podcast by the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. Thanks for listening to the Ellen MacArthur Foundation Circular Economy podcast. Don't forget to share, rate and subscribe. <laughs>